Hi everyone, I'm Madeline Park, stylist and vintage fashion hound. I believe everything has a story, whether it be clothes or the people that wear them. If my objective was to venture style stories into more visual and event-based mediums, what better than to land a place in the Vivid Sydney Festival? Honoured to be hosting Fashion's Flash, Back to the Future, Season 8 shares the style and stories of the forward-thinking talent who've joined me on the journey of producing this event, which will take place on June the 7th at the UTS Great Hall in Sydney. This series will continue to share stories of creative people with a strong sense of style, but with a vivid team, united by their can-do views and dream big visions. I hope these stories help seek change, spark a new idea, or just inspire you to shine. Today, I'm chatting with Marnie Gerber, professional hair and makeup artist who led the creative direction of the performer's beauty looks for the Vivid event, Fashion's Flash Back to the Future. Fashion may have been a defining part of Marnie's upbringing, however, it's hair and makeup that's taken her creative hand. And despite seeing the two as intrinsically linked and actively using fashion as a bold form of self-expression, being a self-confessed moody dresser who's not afraid of a Jenny Key knit, it's Marnie's effervescent ease and her natural ability to elicit beauty that have come to define her standout style. I hope you can sit back, relax and enjoy listening to Marnie's story. Yeah, um, Okay. So, Mani, thank you for joining me today. We obviously met years ago um, on set and as any good um, backstage crew uh, has is a hair and makeup artist and a fashion stylist that get on (laughs) and understand each other and I think we made an almost instant connection. We did. (laughs) We definitely did. Um, But I do remember that one of the like things that you were telling me about um, the first time we met was how your mum worked in the fashion industry um, and that was like part of how you grew up. Yeah. So Let's start with that. Um, now, I know your mum's a big influence on you yes. and you guys, like on the socials, you can see how cute My mum always comments on everything I write. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just, you know, like even at our age, yeah. I, I see she's still writing things like, I'm so proud of I you. I know. It's so cute. It's so nice. No, well, I grew up in Melbourne. Yes. And my, I, from... As long as I can remember, my mum worked in the fashion industry, which I, at the time when I was a kid, most mums didn't work full time like my mum did. Like she had a career. Mm. So I grew up with her having the most amazing clothing and wardrobe and she was so glamorous and she... Before I was born, actually, you know, she modelled even when I was in primary school, she still modelled. So she was this tall, glamorous woman that would come to primary school to pick me up sometimes and all the kids would go, is that your mum? Oh my God, she's so beautiful. So I used to love that. I'd feel really special when she'd come to school because she'd be just, she used to work for like um, international designers. So she'd be, you know, head to toe Armani or something. Right. Like amazing clothes, always really glamorous and put together, hair immaculate, nails 
lipstick, Which is everything. Colourful or just really uh, elegant no, and stylish? Everything. Colourful. Probably a bit like me. I'm quite eclectic with the things that I like. Like she wasn't ruled by a style. If anything, I'd say she was maybe, she is, not was, but in this era that I'm talking about, very kind of Annie Hall maybe. Oh, yeah, love that. Yeah, so because she's got the height, she... Um, would rock a suit yeah. and a tie and stuff. And, you know, you can see it. Yeah, yeah. It was the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> but she modelled as well before yeah. she worked in the fashion Yeah, industry. like catwalk modelling. In, yeah. in Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did she do international modelling? Like the shows modeling? for Maya and stuff like that. Oh, cute. Yeah, no, not international. I mean, she got married when she was, like, 21 or something. Right. So, and then she had my brother and I and she, and then she, I don't know, she modelled and then... I think was so into the clothes that then she started working with the clothes. Right. And she still does. Yeah. And but working in, in what capacity? What so was... she was like a wholesale sales person. So she would work for some iconic designers like Prue Acton. She worked for Sally Brown, Jill Fitzsimon, where she would go around the country selling their collections. So... I can't remember now. It's like summer, high summer. So four times a year she'd go around, set up in hotels. Boutiques would come into her and buy the collection. So I would go and go with her. Oh, you would? Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say. Like she would have been busy then. Was your dad around? So my mum and dad divorced when I was about, I want to say, six or seven. Right. So my mum's stepping up into her work and career was also survival right even though my dad always supported us but she was very much an independent woman with a career and explains why you probably had such a strong you know still have such a strong connection to her yeah yeah oh she's fierce yeah (laughs) like she's fierce she's just like no you can do this you know that's why she's so encouraging in times like in my life when being a mother of three children and thinking, oh, my God, I'm so tired. I can't do this. I can't go to work. And she's been like, yes, you can. You can do it. Keep going. So, yeah, she's very encouraging in that way. You know, my experience of having a single mum working that you're connected to, you, that, I mean, the connection becomes even stronger because, you know, it's not just, um, it's not the stereotypical uh, power mm. relationship between mm. a parent and a child. Mm. You I feel like you're kind of in there together, yeah. making everything work. Yeah. And you had a brother mom. as well. You have yes. a brother? Yes. Is it just the two of you? Yes. Same with me. Yeah. So me and my brother were only like 15 months apart or something. Yeah, right. And my mum. Yeah. Yeah. The three of us. So, so your brother is older? Younger. Younger, yeah. right. Okay. So were you a linchpin in the house? Like did you I make... I second mother. Yeah. So I would... <laughs> Why does that not surprise me, Marnie? <laughs> yeah, here I am. Um, yeah, so I was... I def- definitely, like, mothered him whether he wanted it or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, which he did sometimes, but then he wouldn't want me to tell him off. Yeah. Tell him what to do. But he certainly would let me make his afternoon tea after school. <laughs> Take Stuff care like of that. him. Yeah. Oh. We were good. Like, you know, my mum worked really hard, but then... I, from a very early age, would cook the dinner. Yeah. Like I loved cooking and, you know, it's another creative outlet for me is 
Definitely cooking, yeah. And so in terms of like bringing style together, I feel yeah. like sometimes in that mother-daughter relationship there's like this idea that, you know, as you're forming your own sense of self, you want to break away but I don't get the sense that you ever had that with your mum. Like no. I feel like you were always quite in sync with her. I was very in sync with her and I would, I remember like even being really young and on my birthday, I think, oh, I've got to be a bit bigger now because I've had my birthday. And I'd go into her wardrobe and like be trying on her clothes and her shoes, just hoping, you know, that I'd fit into them. How old were you then? Oh, like. I don't know, eight or right. something. Yeah. Yeah. Eight, nine, ten. And then, yeah, I just absolutely always loved her style and her clothes. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have my own. Like, if she was sitting here now, she would, she thinks I have a totally different fashion sense to her. She always says that I have a really original way of putting things together that she would never think of. Mm. Like, I'm kind of, I probably make maybe braver choices with the things that I pick up and I'm more inclined to, I don't really plan what I'm gonna wear. I feel what I'm gonna wear. I might go, I feel like wearing those socks today. And then what goes with those socks? Oh, that, that skirt looks good with those socks. And then I kind of put things together like that. And I, th I, may, I maybe don't even look in the mirror. <laughs> I just like, I've got the feeling of what I wanna wear where she wouldn't do that. So when I think about your style, I think of it as, as um, quite artful mm. and um, vivid. Yes. <laughs> nice choice yes. of words there. Um, and not particularly Melbourne-esque. You know, like when we think about Melbourne mm. fashion, it's very like black and um, yeah. kind of sleek and monochromatic. Yeah. Um, it, what's your sense of like how's Melbourne so, but growing up in Melbourne well, shaped you? Well, I've had most you? of my adult life here. Yeah. So when I was in Melbourne, uh, yeah, I don't think I, even working in the fashion industry in Melbourne, I was never really that head to toe wearing black. I don't. I think that's an urban myth, actually. Do you? Yeah, I yeah. don't actually think that's true. I don't. I think Melbourne people definitely like to dress up more. Like when I came here. When I moved here, I thought, God, everyone's so casual here. Yeah. And everyone's more, you know, they want to show off their body and their, their tan and maybe wearing less. Yeah. Usually a bit more comfortable. Like in Melbourne. more beach culture. I would wear high heels every day. Yeah. I would, even when I was living in Sydney, even when I was pregnant, I was still wearing heels all the time. Like it was just... I think you kind of dress up a little bit more. I think it's in Melbourne. maybe the European influence. Maybe. Would you were you yeah. found, surrounded by a lot? Of I was surrounded by a lot of Greeks. Yeah, um, had why a lot we of Greek along. friends. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and maybe. But then, see, I think South Australia also takes their fashion very seriously. I think they dress up a lot, mm. even compared to Melbourne. I remember traveling to South Australia and thinking, God, people really dress up here yeah. for events, you know? They take it seriously. Yeah. But here they're a bit more casual. I don't know. I think I'm probably, now I like to be comfortable as well. Well, that comes with motherhood too, doesn't it? Definitely comes from motherhood. <laughs> and also in the job that we do of being backstage, being on set, you, you need to be comfortable. Yeah. It's particularly with your shoes. Yes. Don't you find? A hundred percent. Yeah. 
you got to be warm. You got to have layers, but then it gets boiling, so you got to be able to take things off. You have to have pockets. You got to have, <laughs> got to have the pockets. I mean, when I'm at work, I mean, this time of the year, I'm all about the the cardigan. Yeah. The turtleneck. The turtleneck is big with me. I love the turtleneck. I love the turtleneck too. But yeah. I love the sixties aesthetic, so yeah. I think that's where that comes from. Um, so going into your work, you, you said obviously going into the fashion industry was very natural and easy for you to do given the context of your mum. Yeah. How did that happen? Was it like... So I finished school, wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do except I thought... I wanted to be on Young Talent Time. I'm probably showing my age there when I was a little kid. And so, dating Joey Peroni? Uh, yeah. <laughs> remember when he changed his name to Joe Perone? <laughs> no, I don't remember that. I was in love with Joe Peroni. Oh, yeah. No, I wanted to be because um, I had that performing arts side of me as well. Right. Which I loved. Yes. Um, I had that. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll do something with that one day. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And it was like the school holidays trying to think about what am I going to do. All of my friends were going to university. I was literally the only girl that didn't go from my school to university because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, and then I saw this job advertised at a fashion agency in Melbourne. Went in, I was like 18 years old, went in, had an interview, got the job because I had so much experience that I'd just been born into. I'd already traveled the country with my mum helping her sell collections to her client list. They yeah. were like, jackpot, let's give this girl the job. Yeah, right. you learn all that stuff by osmosis yeah. when you're in Absolutely. those scenarios, right? Yeah. I knew how to sell a range. But like, you would have known, you would have also understood seasons, yeah. like production, scales. Everything. The kind of the technical side of making fashion yeah. as well as how to how to market it it was so easy for me that mm. job it was just like falling off a log yeah doing that job and I met some great girlfriends doing that job we worked really hard you know we'd be doing 12 15 hour days sometimes we I'd travel on my own for that job at that age was your mum excited that you were ostensibly following in her footsteps I never asked her that probably um <laughs> no but then you know we still talk about oh remember that boutique in Beechworth remember the Beechworth Emporium like we shared clients and stuff so right and then people would know me as her daughter mm. when I'd be doing the showings or stuff but I think I actually found it a little bit disheartening when I went into that job even though I knew a lot, my mum was selling amazing fashion. Mm. I wasn't like, and I thought, oh God, the fashion industry is all about making money. What? <laughs> I thought this is not, A, it's not creative. I mm. felt like this is not creative at all, especially in the sales role. Although I could, I knew how to put things together and... But were you working with the same calibre of clients that your mum... Like you, you would have been exposed to really so, good design and... Oh, uh, look, I definitely some... We had some things like that. Mm. Um, like, you know, Metallicus. Oh, yeah. We used to sell Metallicus when it was just accessories. So right. that was one of my accounts and that was pretty cool. Um, well, Metallicus back in that time was yeah. at its 
that you know, coming into its edge. prime, so I was wearing right? all the hats and yeah. Were you into art at the same time? Like, were you like as in the practical application Not of it? Or? Really? No, I was into going out and going to work. That was, I was really into going out nightclubs and stuff. Yeah. Wearing the least amount of clothes as possible. Well, you were a young hot thing. Like, who'd blame you? Well, I started going out when I was like 16 in yeah. Melbourne. Yeah. And my mum let me go. I had my fake ID. She'd pick me up at 4am from the nightclubs and stuff because there was no stopping me. Yeah. I wanted to go out. And then I think that the nightclub <laughs> environment is a very creative environment as well for the way people put themselves together to yeah. go out yeah sure. and especially in melbourne you put a lot of effort into what you're going to wear yeah so what, so what was your get up that. what i was like obsessed with like kylie minogue music videos and stuff so with the hot pants colored tights yeah um like little sequin dresses and i also had all the clothes from work at my fingertips like samples from ranges you know I spent all my money on clothes. I spent a lot of money on like Bettina Liano. Yes. That was like my favourite. My yeah. whole pay packet would go on Bettina Liano. You've got the good legs. That's why you've got the good legs and could wear well, those I definitely tight, tight, got my wear out yeah. I definitely <laughs> used everything I had. Yeah. <laughs> but you're so funny because, and, and I was going to get to this kind of like spontaneity that you have and like the kind of, yeah, just kind of ease of lifestyle, but there's, it's almost like there's this contrast in you that's like just so free flowing, but then you're so nurturing and like it's like this good girl yeah. that that also is just that's true. Really, like loose about that. <laughs> loose yeah. in the nicest possible so, way. Yeah, like I, I know what you mean, and I guess that's like going back to the nightclub and the yeah. fact that I went out so much from 16 to 19. By the time I got to 19, I didn't go out anymore. I didn't drink, nothing. I was right. so done because I had done so much. Because <laughs> you were out to 4 a.m. every the time. Night. And then I'd go to work yeah. the next day. How like, crazy. Don't you look back fun. at that and go, how the hell how? did I pull up? How did I do that? How did I do it? I don't know. But that, that was just, I just loved that. Yeah. And the music. So what, Dancing. what music were you into? Because obviously, and we'll get into it, music mm. is uh, still a very big part of your greater life. Mm. But what was music a big influence on you creatively at that stage? Yeah, I think at that stage, music videos were huge then. Mm. Do you remember? Yeah. Like, everyone, I, and I guess the way a music video is styled, like now you and I have worked on things like that and we can see it. But I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. I want to wear that. That's so cool. And I'd be, like, altering my own things to, like, turning tops into skirts or whatever just to, to get the look that the look. we'd see on the TV yeah. with the music Tony video. Tony Perrin, do you remember yes. her little that green was, hot pants? She was my you know? exact. Yeah, she that's was right. My exact, yeah, and I'd, like, backcomb my hair. You know, your lipstick would be, like, white yeah <laughs> and the you know the wing eyeliner and stuff and then if someone said to me oh you look like Tony Perrin I'd be like yes <laughs> so okay so going into makeup like yeah obviously like that was kind of part of your nightclub yeah I think get up. I discovered from about I was probably about 
I was always playing with makeup. Right. Always playing with makeup from the age of five, I'd say. I was always playing with my mum's makeup, mixing my own colours, trying to get the most pigment on my face. I'd use nail polish on my face, anything, just to get it as bright as I could. Mm. Um, was this in your nightclub days? No, this is like when I was about five. Right, okay. So, and then I had... Um, my Barbie fashion face, which was like the Barbie head that came with makeup. Oh, and yeah. I do her hair and her makeup endlessly. That was my, that was a real passion for me. Yeah. When I got to about 16, I'd say, 15, 16, and I just started doing, I must have learned a bit more about doing makeup and I realised how I could transform myself with makeup. And the way I looked, mm. my brother used to call me Marnie One and Marnie Two. He's like, oh, here comes Marnie Two. She's going out now because I would make a full transformation in the way I looked. And would you research it? Like, like how to do well, it? Th- this is like the supermodel era. Mm. So all those Peter Lindbergh photos with the really, you know, Cindy Crawford with the really strong eyebrows and, you know, Linda Evangelista used to really outline her lip where you could see the lip liner, all that sort of stuff. Mm. I made all the tragic mistakes, don't get me wrong. But so much of it's coming back. The the defined lip liner that we grew up with is now a trend. You tell me, like your makeup artist. It's all all mm. come full circle now. Yeah, it all does, right? In those days, like you'd be looking in the magazines, figuring out how am I going to do this? and doing it on your face using whatever tiny amount of products that you had at hand, now the girls have got everything at their fingertips. I know. We had no TikTok tutorials. We didn't tutorials have YouTube or tutorials and Pinterest guidelines. I mean, now you can just Google how do I do my makeup like Cindy Crawford and it'll come yeah. up with a step-by-step guide and a video and here are the products you should use and I'll click here and, and then they're delivered it's tomorrow. a really good point because I've never, you know, I, I obviously I ask people a lot about how they dress and how, like how mm. they learnt that, you know, or what, what was their influences. But it, it's a really good point that I, because we've grown up in a different generation, there was a different way to learn how to do makeup. Trial and, and error, baby. Yeah. It was trial and error. Oh, for me, it was going to like David Jones yeah. for my formal or whatever, you know, like for a special occasion. Yeah. And then having to ask a lot of questions and like mirror back whatever they were doing on my face. And I never did that. Right. I did it all myself. Yeah. Well, so I was just like so always clever. hogging the bathroom <laughs> yeah. in the mirror putting makeup on myself and sometimes like I'd come out to go out and my mum would go, oh my God. <laughs> the power of the transformation of that when I was about 16 and you'd realise, well, in my head anyway, I'd be walking down the street thinking, and then you'd notice people looking at you <laughs> like, oh, I'm not a child anymore. I, you know, could get myself into the nightclubs. Yeah. Making myself look older. Yeah. Now I try and make myself look younger. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you kind of decide that that was like something that you would pursue? So that was something I always had in the back of my head that I knew. I always knew I'll, that's where I'll end up. Mm. But I had things that I wanted to do first. Right. So I, um, I did come up to Sydney because I went to drama school because I thought I wanted to do acting, mm. right? So Where did you go? Like what I went to school? the Actors Centre in, um, when it was in Surrey Hills. Mm. 
And that was, that was great. That was like a real turning point of my life. I came, I left Melbourne, I came up here. How old were you? Uh, I was like 23 or something. Okay. So I'd had my working, I thought, and I also thought I can't do this fashion anymore. Yeah. Like in that capacity, I can't do this. I was burnt out mm. from that. Um, so I really wanted to come up here and I had some friends up here, moved up here, went to drama school. Oh, and then I also discovered more the power of the outside affecting the inside, mm. you know, what you could do on the outside. And now I feel like that helps me in the job I do now when I'm working with actors is transforming them on the outside informs the character that they're trying to portray yeah you know so yeah. that was that was a great insight but even though I finished my I finished my drama school graduated met my husband yeah had a baby five minutes later yeah. and then thought I never want to do acting ever again <laughs> why would anyone want to do acting it's so hard yeah it's like constant rejection it plays on when you audition for something and you don't get it, it plays on all your insecurities of why you didn't get it. Mm. Even though we know on the out now behind the scenes, we know why people get the jobs and why they don't get the jobs. Yeah. And often it's nothing to do with their talent, the way they look, nothing. Mm. You know, we're, they're putting a family together. They've decided to go with this age group. Oh, no, we want someone with red hair. You know, it's not all about our rejection. No. But it's a hard life. So you met your husband, but did because he was acting, wasn't he? So he was. He was. Mark was a very successful international model. Yes. And actor. Yeah. He wasn't a passionate actor. He was a successful actor. It's not like he went to sleep dreaming of um, acting and Shakespeare and stuff like that. He yeah. was somebody who was so successful as a model that. It was just the step. He went into TV commercials and he'd get every job he went for. Then he went into some films. He was on TV. He was in like Sirens, was so wasn't he? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> he was on Home and Away. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he'd done all of that. He was still doing So he'd done bit. all that before you met he him or was he was still in... doing a bit. Yeah, right. And um, so how'd you meet? I was working behind the bar at the Soho just around the corner from here. Yeah. <laughs> and I was the worst bartender in the world. I never had my RSA. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> and he came in and um, he was ordering drinks, him and a friend, and I kept making mistakes. Right. Because I didn't know what I was doing. And then we just had a bit of banter. And then I ran into him about, in the next week, I ran into him about three times in different places. And I was like, this is weird. Right. And then we ended up going out. Yeah, falling in love very quickly, having a baby very quickly, and then yeah, our baby is turning twenty-one. I know that's incredible, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, and so he was in the kind of was he just he was he transitioning out he of that? He was transitioning. So he the other thing in common, anyone who knows my husband loves knows that he loves going out. Yeah. <laughs> so he was um, DJing. Right. At the time. So music was always a love music for him. Music was a massive part of his life. Right. So um, he was DJing and he was still doing some modelling. 
Oh, it sounds so cool, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so he was doing that and then we met. So I was in the nightlife because I was working behind yeah. a bar. And were you he like, was oh in the night. Oh, my God, I'm with this hot model. I mean, I know, I know you're equally like a, as hot. but <laughs> I had a real soul connection as soon as we met. It was more than a physical attraction. It was just yeah. this incredible everything about him yeah it was like and it's it's so cute because you can just tell that you guys are still so in love after oh yeah all no, we love each other years. to bits it's like, so cute <laughs> I'm so incredibly proud of him yes like I'm trying not to get emotional no but no he's incredible oh he's so cute he no, no, I'm gonna start crying no, he's like He's the reason I'm a makeup artist, really. Right, because he saw he that in me. You. He right. saw that in me, yeah. and I did somebody's makeup like when Felix was a baby, I think. And I did one of the baby one of the babysitters who was going to their formal because she'd come around when I was getting ready and saw what I'd do to myself to go out. Yeah. And then she asked me one day, "Would you do my makeup for my formal?" And I'm like, "Of course." And then. As soon as I did her makeup for the first time, I was like, oh, my God, I absolutely love doing this. And then her sister asked me to do her formal and, like, her cousin or something all in the same short period of time. And Mark, because Mark had been in a world with makeup people because of being a model and an actor Mm. all over the world, and he was like, you know what, you should really do this seriously. I reckon you'd be really good at this. Mm. And he really encouraged me. Like by this t- stage we had another baby, so there's the two little boys. And he took me, I did my course at Showface at the Rocks. Right. He like came, he was like, come on. And he took me in there and he like spoke to them with me and he was like, no, nah, come on, we're going to sign up now. And that's so him. He's yeah. so like... Even if we go shopping and I'm like, oh, no, I don't really like it. Oh, no, I don't really want it. He's like, no, nah, get it, get it. You've got to get it. Let's get it now. You regret it if you don't get it. Yeah. So he was very much supporting me. Like, don't think about it. Just, Just do, do it. it. Yeah. You've got to do it. This yeah. is what you need to do. And honestly, I did that course and I never looked back. I never stopped working. It's so funny because when I was preparing questions, you know, I obviously sent you some guide, kind of guided questions before the interview. I it was like, oh, I don't want to ask too much about Mark because, you know, you are you and he's your partner. Mm. But when you start to pull the story apart, I think that the reason I want to ask about him is because I know how heavily you influence each other. Yep. Like I've gotten that sense of that throughout oh, conversations. Yeah. And how intrinsically your creativity kind of is interlinked and also I think when you meet at the age that you do and you kind of in those transition points in your life Mm. it's clear that you guys have built your lives together like you're not you're not just two people that have operated in silos you've you've built it around each other 100 percent and I think that comes with becoming parents from the get-go yeah we didn't have a lot of time as a couple before that. And we were living in separate places. It was not that serious. I mean, we loved each other very quickly. And 
I had such a massive connection with him and he did with me, but we hadn't even thought about anything and boom, you know, you've, now you're having a baby together. So we've known each other as parents and building our lives around And that could normally tear a lot of people apart, yeah. but especially... Could have been luck. Yeah. I don't know. It could have been luck. But, I mean, but then I think, sometimes I think, you know, the coolest thing about me is my husband and my kids. Don't say that. That's, that's no, exactly that's... not what I, you no, know. It's, no, I do. Sometimes I do think that. But, and then everyone knows who he is no matter where I go. So give people, because not everyone listening will know so who Mark is or I'm what he does. I'm Mark Gerber, everyone. <laughs> um, so Mark is the founder of the Oxford Art Factory. So he's very well known for that. And yeah. he's recently taken over Which, the Lansdowne. For Hotel. anyone that doesn't know what yeah. that is, it's... It's uh, a live music. It's um, an iconic... It's an iconic venue in Oxford Street yeah. um, in Darlinghurst. So Mark created that about, I think we'll be having the 16th birthday this year. Right. So he wanted to create, because music's very important to him, a music venue that was also going to subject people to art and culture when they came in. So he's always had a lot of um, art involved too. So there's a wall there that gets painted regularly by an artist. Like some amazing artists have come and painted murals on this wall. Yeah. Um, so it's a very iconic venue that everyone around the world knows. Um, and how integrated are you into it? Well, I have a lot to comment on. <laughs> no, I am. I was there from the beginning when he was sitting around and um, somebody took him in and said, I'm going to, what do you think of this venue, Mark? And it used to be um, Central Station Records. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Yes, I do. So you go down the stairs. Because that was the first vintage store I went to. Oh, right. Because, you know, they had the records. And the clothes. And the clothes. Yes. And I remember the first thing that I bought the first yeah. thing I bought, the first vintage item I bought was from Central Station Records and it was a blue Hawaiian shirt a la Leonardo DiCaprio oh, in Romeo and yes. Juliet. Um, and I still have it. Oh. And I love it. I actually have it in the next room. Oh, I, I'll have to show you. Um, so, yes, I'm, I oh, remember going there and yeah. being like, And you oh, go there to buy so your cool. tickets to right. go somewhere. Yeah. Um, so... The person who was the financial backer for the Oxford Art Factory said, this place is up for rent, Mark, what do you think? Do you reckon you could do anything with this? And and he was like, yeah, I reckon we could turn this into a live music venue. I think it'd be awesome. Um, and so from the beginning, you know, him and I, would be we talk all the time mm. about stuff. I was there, you know, with him riffing back and forward about what's a good name, um, and his brothers were involved too. One's an architect and one's an artist. So they were involved. But I'm definitely, I'm not taking any credit for what he does whatsoever. Yeah. At least I'm a very good sounding board for him, like with ideas and stuff. But I definitely give him, I reckon once a week I give him a really good idea yeah. that gets put into practice. Yeah. How have you found it all coming together for you? Like, do you... The journey of a makeup artist? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I think, um, well, anything, I feel like anything that's a creative 
job mm. is kind of a sought-after job. There seems to be more people that do it than there are jobs to do it, if yes. you know what I mean. Yes, being a stylist, I'm very... <laughs> being a photographer, <laughs> being a director, anything like that, it's a hard thing to break into. Um, I think we've, and I think it's maybe even harder now, but there seems to be more people doing makeup courses than there was when I did mine. Yeah. But I definitely knew I had, I was very strong in my class, like with what I was doing. I knew, I knew what I was doing. Mm. I knew that it was the right thing for me. I could also understand the process of, um, so it's not just about what's going on the face, but I understand the process of um, a character or a vibe with something, you know, mm. that I can get that out. Because it's communication as well. Mm. It's like your client is communicating to you what you want. You've got to get that out. But for me, I think, so when I finished, I met a photographer and I worked with him very closely doing a lot of actors' headshots. Right. So a lot of portraits, a lot of, and in with actors' headshots, everything's got to be very no makeup makeup. So I learned really quickly how to do a very natural face which people want yeah most people that's what you want in this job they want makeup but they don't want to see it so I worked because I worked with him doing the portraits I then got to meet a lot of actors who then would request me for things directors I mean we would do portraits of a lot of people to do with the acting industry that weren't just the actors but yeah directors producers um musical theatre people, all people like that. You, you've obviously talked about um, like the idea that you, you have to listen to the client and mm. kind of deliver something that mm. is what they're requesting and so it's that communication. But in any creative role, you also need almost like a little handprint on your work to differentiate mm. you because, as you said, it's, it's a really yeah. competitive industry. Do you feel like you do have that and how would you define it? That is a very interesting question. I feel like the work that I get recommended when I get recommended to do certain things is because I do know how to make somebody look beautiful without making them look like they're overly made up. I yeah. feel like I have a very light touch when I do makeup. I feel like that's my style, mm -hmm. that I don't want to paint somebody like they're wearing a mask. Like I don't want to completely change what they look like. I want to enhance what natural beauty they've got. Like I just, and it's just, it's very um, intuitive for me. Mm. I don't really think about it. It kind of just happens. Like it's a very, when I'm doing makeup, it's a very calm, and I guess anyone who's an artist of any kind, when you're actually in your zone of doing something, it's the best feeling. Yeah. Do you think that that sense of like natural beauty mm. comes out in your own personal style? I think my own personal style with hair and makeup, I like to keep a pretty classic. Yeah. So no uh, neon eyeliner no. like no. back in no. your never, like, club never days. Been, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Um, no, I like to, my personal style is I like to keep my hair and makeup classic mm. and I feel like you can be more expressive with 
well, I shouldn't say you feel like, I feel like if I keep it pretty classic up here, mm. you can kind of go a bit more crazy with what you're wearing. It's yeah. kind of the juxtaposition. Yeah. I like that. Like I'm not the sort of person that's going to have the asymmetrical haircut shaved on one side and dyed pink and all that. It's not me. Mm. I like natural beauty in the way a person looks and then I don't know you, you can change your clothes to what your mood is but I feel like I like staying true to myself with my hair and makeup and so then going into your fashion mm. your fashion is quite expressive and yeah. as you said it's eclectic it as you were, as we started off in the interview it, it to me like I think of you with great color and prints and also um there is almost like just some nice cute retro throwbacks to some of the shapes that you wear yeah. like today and your my flares your flares um my vintage cowboy boots <laughs> yeah well I'm a big fan of the Jenny Key knits yes which is how I we came lovely, to vivid I have a lovely collection of Jenny Key knits yeah um, um, but you're, you have a personal connection I'm to Jenny Key I'm friends with too. Jenny's daughter, Grace. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I'm very lucky to be friends with her. She's <laughs> gorgeous. Um, but I, so Jenny did the collab with Romance Was Born. This is probably about five years ago. Yes. And I was at Jenny's house with Grace in the mountains. Jenny wasn't there. And I was like trying on, cause she had some boxes of knits there that were for sale. Um, so I was trying on, this is such a Mark Gerber story as well. Cause I was trying, I was like, I tried one on, I was thinking I was just away with Grace and um, Lauren, who's our mutual friend. And I was like, oh, I'm going to buy one. Def but I like to think about things I'm going to buy. Like I really, I'm not impulsive with mm. shopping at all. Like I've really got to think about it and go away. And if I'm still thinking about it, I know I want it. So I'll come and buy it. Yeah. Like that's the sort of person I am. Yeah. So I'm trying on take a photo do you like this one to another one do you like this one a jumper like I tried on about four of you know five things and I was sending them to Mark like which one should I get which one should I get and he goes darling you've got to have all of them <laughs> so then he hooked up with Grace and like bought me and what about the knit you're wearing today yeah this is Jenny Key yeah I thought it yeah. might have been yeah I think this I didn't get this in the first round this was like Mother's Day or something there Year after. Very cute. But my husband's the best present buyer in the world also, got to say. <laughs> got to give him a shout out for his present buying. Is he as stylish as you? He's I, ten I, times I... more stylish than me. <laughs> he is, he's like a style icon. He's amazing. You should be interviewing him for this podcast, not me. I see you having quite a spontaneous lifestyle in that. Like, you know, your husband runs the Oxford Arts Factory. You've got three gorgeous boys. You don't have like one job. Your week looks mm. different every week. You're a freelancer, um, like it, and and that free spiritedness to me comes out in the way that you dress. I want to know: Would you agree? And mm, okay, I am a very spontaneous dresser, hundred percent. I do not think about. I find that really hard if I've got to think about what am I going to wear tomorrow, like packing a suitcase because mm. I'm so moody with what I wear. Yeah. So I would agree. I struggle with that too. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I would definitely agree. I'm a very spontaneous dresser. I 
It's very mood based, very, very emotional. Very emotional, very mood based. I used to have these one pair of pants that I realized, oh my God, I always wear these pants when I'm sad. Because <laughs> they're comfortable. I got rid of them. Yeah, they, they, they were comfortable and bright, and I don't know, but I was just like, oh my God, I'm always wearing these when I'm feeling down or tired or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know, that doesn't make sense. So you got rid of them because you I got just associated them. them with yeah. sadness? No, maybe. Yeah. In the end, I thought, <laughs> shit, if I get rid of the pants, I won't be sad anymore. Um, no, I'm definitely a moody dresser, but I think there's things that I tend to stick to. Like, I do like this, I don't know, if, so it probably doesn't make sense what I'm wearing today, but I do love a classic French girl chic. Right. I do love like a high-waisted jean with a low far. Yeah, a good. I've got a Burberry coat. I love. I think you can put the Burberry coat on over anything. It yeah. looks good, you know. Yeah, I do. I I've think... never seen you in like a Burberry coat though. Really? In that there's a bit of a this kind of the bohemian '70s yeah. vibe that comes out in what you wear. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right there. I don't. I don't know. But the other thing, it's the same with. Um, I think I don't like to overthink things. Like I feel if I overthink it, I won't be able to do it. So it's just a, it's, it's just, just an intuition. It's instinctive yeah. with me. Yeah. I think I don't like to look too masculine. I'll say that. Mm. I have a thing about that. Yeah. Don't like to. Don't Even though your like, mum was like. Um, she, the Annie Hall vibe. Yeah, no, yeah. I would never wear, that, never wear a suit. I mean, back in the day with my Bettina Liano's, I did wear the Bettina Liano suits, but I'd be wearing like a little very sexy vest underneath. With yeah. my boobs out, yeah, you know. Like I, wear, <laughs> I don't really wear t-shirts or button-up shirts. Mm. I don't. I don't like to look too masculine. And I think also maybe that's because being in a household of a husband and three sons, yeah, it's kind of made me a little bit more feminine, yeah, in a way. But also, as we've established, you're a born nurturer, so that's yes, probably coming out there baby. too. And in terms of like, because uh, I want to talk about your sons, but and I know that they love vintage fashion. They do. Um, is that something that's part of your life? I definitely buy secondhand. Mm. Is I that like always secondhand. been? I think something... I've always been into that. Yeah, always. And that's a Melbourne thing too. Yeah, it I is feel a like Melbourne it's thing. more Melbourne than Sydney. Well, it was back in the day. I even I went to Melbourne recently, and I was like. Oh my goodness, the vintage vintage stores, there's so many of them with so much good stuff. So good. Yeah. But my mum was always, um, there's stores that have been around in Melbourne forever where you'd take your clothes in on consignment and they'd sell. Yeah. Your clothes. Where it's money and you kind of, uh, it's only in the last I would even argue five years where it's a much more accepted yeah. thing in Sydney. Oh my God. In, yeah. I mean, Blue Spinach, they've yeah. been here doing it forever. forever but in but Melbourne, yeah. that was like a way of life as long as I can remember. Yeah. You'd be dropping stuff off there, picking stuff up. You know, I, I love, I just, even now, like how good is Facebook Marketplace when if you want to buy something, you type it into Facebook Marketplace and it pops up and you go buy it. Like yeah. it's better um, than buying new. I've just I've just come onto Facebook Marketplace as oh. in to actually sell stuff and it's 
it's awesome. It's, it's amazing. So good. So last night, as a side note, I yeah. um, had someone come and pick up all of Chloe's old beautiful dresses because she doesn't love dresses and shoes. And the girl that came round, her daughter loves dresses. Anyway, it turns out she makes documentaries for sustainable fashion. So we've exchanged details. I'm like, how good is this? Not only did I reuse, yeah. repurpose, I made some money. And, and you've made and, a connection. Made, like it's a beautiful connection. 100%. It's awesome. No, I love the vintage, I love the vintage shopping. This the idea of, I mean, even thinking about sustainability, and I know like we talked about that in our vivid show, yeah, our vivid show, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it was our it's vivid like show. There were some frightening statistics that came up in that panel discussion. Yeah, and I think, and my mom in the fashion industry is also a massive advocate for buying well, buying less, repurposing. But I was just brought up with, you buy one good thing, yeah, and you get at least ten years out of it, like a designer garment. You're going to get at least, like this Jenny Key cardigan, mm. I'm going to be wearing this when I'm 80. Yeah. Right? You'll see me walking down the street. There she is. <laughs> um, yeah, like just buy less. But also, but as you've, well. you've said, that's obviously part of the psyche of how you buy clothes too because you are very considered. You don't just buy it. You mm. think about, well, how am I going to wear it? Is it something that I'm going to love? Is it yeah. something I can wear in different ways? Absolutely. If I'm like even buying a pair of shoes, like I just bought a pair of loafers mm -hmm. and they, when I'm, I thought about them for months before I bought them Yeah. and how I was going to wear them. Like, I'm not just going to buy one thing and wear it with one outfit. Like I'm thinking there's at least five different ways I can wear these shoes. And a good pair of shoes can then add a whole new life to your wardrobe with yeah. how you wear stuff I agree. and make it cool. And I feel like accessories are a great way of making those vintage pieces not feel like costume but like yeah. feel really modern when you've got something that feels current, like a like a great shoe, like a loafer, yeah. you know, because obviously or a bag, Prada loafer, yeah. Like a crossbody bag can all of a sudden make something look more street that yeah. was looking a bit hoity-toity yeah it can before. make it give a but contemporary edge I've learned so much like from my boys about vintage they don't buy anything new yeah they just everything they buy is um designer secondhand yeah or even in Axel's case it's not even things that you and I might consider designer secondhand it's just secondhand yeah you know like that route but they've had they've so it's funny because I, in like looking at the interview today, I was mm. like, your boys, when I think about our Vivid event and like who you are, your boys are like, to me, the future of um, a certain type of masculinity. Yeah. Like a much more developed, um, creative, aware, like that your boys are such beautiful souls mm. and they're testament to you and Mark. But they also have this cool kind of creative edge and, you know, they are the future and the way that yeah. they think about fashion, the way they well, we talk hope, about it. We? Yeah. I think we hope that if that the next generation coming up are like that, then we're in a really good place. Yeah. Because they will save up and buy a pair of Rick Owens jeans secondhand. Yeah. Or they'll get, you know, Felix... 
Felix spends a lot of money on, well, he's got some Maison Margiela stuff, Izzy Miyake, things like that, you know. And has he, he learnt that from you or Mark? Think, like the, the designer labels and the quality of them? it's just in them. Yeah. I really think it's just in them. You know, Mark buys a lot more stuff than we do. Yeah. Like he, <laughs> unfortunately, he... But he has a legacy of three boys to pass him, it down to. What I've learned from him is a truly, if somebody is a really truly stylish person who knows who they are, mm. they can put on, they're not afraid, and believe me, he's not afraid, to go to Aldi and get a really cute technical raincoat and he comes home wearing this Aldi raincoat and my boys are like... Dad, where'd you get that? It's fresh. Oh my God, what is that coat? And it's from Aldi. Yeah. Going into Vivid, mm. um, obviously it was almost serendipitous uh, you being involved in the, like, we'd obviously maintained some contact yeah. and um, and you reached out to me and it was actually Jenny Key brought us together again. Um, oh, yeah. Because of the documentary that I made earlier in the year. Um, And you're like, oh, let's, like, do something together. And I was like, actually, um, you'll be the perfect person. And, in fact, I have this big project that I would like your help with. Um, So, and obviously you you came on board so easily for that. But what, what was it about the event that kind of excited you? The dancing... (laughs) <laughs> the First Nations people, that it was about embracing their style, um, celebrating them, uh, the vintage clothing, mm. hello, <laughs> and the lights on the vintage clothing. How cool was that? Yeah. Just the seeing what you'd repurposed from these clothes and turned them into artworks. Yeah. For me, I just loved it. And the sustainability of not celebrating junk clothes, but celebrating some iconic designers from like in the era when my mum was selling them. Yeah, well, because the proactive shortlist, yeah, there was some there proactive, was some proactive in there. outfit, and I was yeah. like, sold. <laughs> I want to be involved in this. Um, no, but to work with you, mm. you know, it's yeah. fun. I definitely do. I feel like we've got a real meeting of the minds where we can just work on something together. It was and very easy. I mean, I think yeah. we understand each other at yeah. a lot of different levels from like the, our lifestyles in terms of juggling different priorities yeah. as well as just wanting to make something really good and make it work. And I would hope that one of the things that connects us as well is um, the way that we deal with people because I see oh, yeah. you as a very considerate, very respectful human being, which is what makes you so lovely at your job. Now, I know what you contributed to the event from a creative perspective, Mm. but why don't you tell everyone? So I designed the hair and makeup looks for your show, for Vivid. Mm -hmm. Our show. Fashions, (laughs) flashback to the future. Yeah. Um, so for me, that process was very much about wanting to keep the natural beauty of the dancers. I didn't want to cover them in a mask, as I keep saying. Um, I wanted to let their beauty shine with their hair. I wanted their hair to be really natural and I wanted just to pull a little bit of something up in their eyes. So I did like an iridescent eye 
for them, which kind of worked with the lights. And then you called me and said, oh, I've just found these Swarovski <laughs> crystals that glow in the dark. And I was like, yes, let's put them on the nails because we had the neon lights. Yeah. And then I put the them UV on. The UV lights. Yeah. 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 I put them on the uh, the fingernails and I didn't know if you noticed, but the toenails. Oh, I, I got to say, I did not notice. Yeah. It was busy that. that night. Yeah. Um, so, and I think that really, I loved that. Yeah. The, the we could really see their hands when they were dancing. One of the tips. things that probably didn't get translated as easily as I would have liked is that each dancer or each performer had their own colourway. Yeah. You know, to kind of express their own sense of individuality within the kind of yeah. greater performance. Um, but yeah. we also managed to to get their nails to we correlate. Matched, we did. We matched their nails <laughs> with their colour and their outfit. Yeah. For, yeah, for their character. It's that meeting of minds, I think. Yeah. Well, it was like you came up with these, oh, we got these crystals. If you can, if you think of something we can do with them, I was like, boom, yeah, let's put them on the fingertips. Yeah, done. Yeah, easy. Um, and speaking of the future, what what is held for my See, I just Gerber? don't really ever think no, about that's what I'm going to do next. <laughs> I really, I don't know. See, even the way my calendar is run for my work it's like I really I know what I'm doing this week I kind of know what I'm doing next week but other than that I don't really know what I'm doing I tend to work on short form projects Mm. um you know like this year I had the opportunity to do a couple of series both of which I've ended up not doing because they don't fit in with my life yeah I can't go and do a 50 hour week on a series when I've got three children Mm. And a husband whose job does tend to take up more time than mine. And so I tend to stick to the short form stuff, which is... But do you like it like that I love too? it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I think that it's more satisfying most of the time. Yeah. It's creatively satisfying for me. I like the change and I might be doing a music video one day and then I might be doing children's TV commercial and this week I'm doing sport and then I'm going to do some lifestyle stuff down the south coast tomorrow yeah um I like having that not really knowing what I'm doing and I often don't even get a brief until I'm there Mm. and then I've got the person in front of me and I love that feeling of getting that person ready as well with my spontaneity of how I feel instinctively about that person and how I want them to look and it just seems to just come out of my hands well and you're when I'm getting ready uh, so uh, I know that you work a lot with Neil Whitaker yes. and I had bumped into him a couple of months ago just when we started to reconnect and one of the things that he said about you because you guys work together a lot on the King Living campaigns is she's a really wonderful set of hands because she just calms everything down and because you're the consummate professional and you are experienced and really well established you know how to troubleshoot any situation Mm. and you take the stress levels right down for everyone so you you do more than just hair and makeup (laughs) yeah I think that comes with the job um but also I think if you want to become successful in this kind of field, you do need to have 
the kind of personality that you can jump with things when they get thrown at you. Mm -hmm. And I often joke with some of my, I've got another couple of girlfriends who've been doing hair and makeup for a long time as well. And some of the things that get thrown up at us and we just go, now you could never do that. You could never do this if you just graduated beauty school last week. You just couldn't do it. No. <laughs> if you just, or you couldn't do this if you were just a self-taught YouTube makeup person, you know? Yeah. There's, it's all those human elements. That... It's all the human elements. And also, like, getting back to clothes, I find with my process with doing hair and makeup, I often get my... Um, my instinct of what to do with the makeup and the hair, I want to put on their outfit to see what they're wearing. Mm. I feel like the inform one informs the other. Oh, 100%. Don't you think? Oh, well, yeah. yeah. And it's, I guess that goes back to the beginning of the interviews. Like, we connected because I think we had a mutual understanding from the beginning that what yeah. I do affects you and what you do affects me. Yeah. And if we're operating in a silo, it, yeah it's not going to work right like 100 um, or it's not going to work as I think we both wanted the talent to feel good and yeah. feel correct yeah. and if if those two things aren't coming together in a complementary way then mm. it's going it to make that work. person not feel yeah connected to what they're doing because you can totally change an outfit with the way that you put someone's hair up or down mm. or what you put on their face you can completely change the look and I think I learned a lot of that doing all of the portraits I did for years and the headshots for actors because we'd have like 45 minutes and we'd come up with five different scenarios oh yeah right okay blue healers all right she's uh she's a teacher now she's this she's that you yeah. know like, like these very quick changes and outfits to go with the hair and makeup can just create a whole different person yeah and a character yeah I love that well, I love the person and the character that you are and I hope when you are 80 years old that you will still be wearing your Jenny Keys and your bright colours. Um, but thank you for coming today, Marnie, and thank sharing your you. style story with me. Thanks for having me. Like, it's Pleasure. a real honour that you asked me. Thank oh, you. <laughs> Whether you're styling on set, socialising at a soiree or simply settled at home, Marnie is someone you want by your side. It's her gentle ease, caring charisma and a whole lot of spunk that reels you in and it's her series of contrasts that keep you hooked. For instance, the clean classic makeup against an outfit of flares and a great vintage tee, her love of nightlife and a sexy look against a hobby of cooking and fiercely looking after her family. And while these joyful juxtapositions make up part of Money's story, it's her desire for the natural and her ability to bring out beauty in others that truly defines her style.